Susie, we talked to you last year, but I and others in FreeNZ have had a bit of a meeting of minds where we feel that now FreeNZ needs to show New Zealanders, our part now can be showing New Zealanders all of the goodness that is still in this country. We kind of sideline the politicians, sideline what they're doing, sideline the lies and the fear mongering and all the rest of it, just put it over there in a big messy cesspit. And let's get back to being the Kiwis we can be. And so it seemed obvious to talk with you first over a little series now of some of the ways we can clean up our lives to feel a lot happier in our lives and focus on what is great here. So today, I, I wanted to talk with you today about what we focus on, what we watch has a massive impact on who we are in the day to day, doesn't it? Can you talk a bit about that, Susie? Yeah, it's a really huge impact because what we watch and what we take in is really what our environment is. Mm -hmm. And you and I were just talking about Bruce Lipton and epigenetics. And Bruce Lipton proved that if you take the same stem cells and you put them in slightly different environments, those stem cells will become completely different things. Maybe cells for bones or cells for blood or whatever. And this was the proof that genetics isn't set. Just because your mum had cancer, it doesn't mean you have to have cancer. It's actually about the environment. The environment changes how a cell is going to um, manifest, really. So what is our environment and what is affecting us? Well, you could say, well, my environment's my house and it feels a lot better when it's clean and it feels a lot better when it's tidy and when there's laughter in it and when we're having fun. Um, you could say your environment is um, your biochemical environment or maybe you know what you're eating and, and what your relationship is to food but a huge part of people's environment these days is what they're watching and taking in whether that's a TV program whether that's hours a day on social media whether that's the news which is literally just bad news and fearful stuff that's your environment now think of it this way just like there's a big difference uh, in how you feel in yourself and how your day will go if you have a, an incredibly just tidy, clean, beautiful house that you love versus living in a house that you just got trash everywhere and it's horrible and you're not enjoying coming home. That makes for a very different life, doesn't it? Very. And that's, that's just your house environment. What about this environment up here? Mm. So if I... Um, have been fearful of things and so I'm watching the news to see what's happening and and what I believe to be happening even if it's not necessarily true and a lot of as you know what you see on TV just and the internet is not true at all if I'm living in that fearful state every day that's very different to maybe if I spent my day outside in the park or talking to friends or tramping or what they're two very different feeling days aren't they Okay. It's incredible. It's incredible. Or, or doing something for someone, like baking something lovely and going and having a cup of tea. Simple, simple things, aren't they? Yep. Whereas this is very addictive. You yeah. know, um, likes and scrolling and the next thing gives you a lot of dopamine, gives you a lot of happy hormones instantly. And we have a real um, epidemic. I think worldwide in a lot of the Western countries where we have children and you know the fact that I've come across this in New Zealand in my practice we have children who don't want to go outside and play and they don't want to make friends because they're getting all their dopamine from a screen and that's a challenge because how we used to get dopamine before the internet took a bit more effort 
such as? Oh, I snuck out to this party and that's what I did and my parents still don't know that we did all sorts of things to get dopamine. Climbed this tree, everyone walked across. We used to have this um, uh, pipe that we could walk across this creek and down in Birkenhead, Glenfield, somewhere around there. And oh, you had to make it over the barbed wire first and walk across. People used to climb up under the Harbour Bridge when I was younger. You know, all sorts of really cool stuff to get this excitement. Kids get that now online with gaming, they get it with social media, and it's a lot easier. So if you've been given dopamine in a very easy way, what's your incentive to go out and get it a proper way? I've often wondered that. Are they different kinds of dopamine? I, I think of it in terms of the pornography online because someone said to me, you know, it used to be that men would see a woman they loved walk in the room and they'd get this dopamine hit. But it was a serious in love kind of dopamine. Now they can do that up to 80 times a day if they're addicted online, but it's kind of a different pseudo dopamine. It's kind of a I think one. the energetics are what you're really, um, what we really want to discuss, and it's a field that, you know, outside kind of quantum physics and mm. epigenetics, it's not super talked about or super well known. But it is a difference between if we're talking about the porn, mm. um, making love and having sex. They're two very different things, and they will give you very different feelings. And I, I would hazard a guess that a lot of people have had a lot of sex but less actually making love, less actually having a soul connection with another person. And those two things may be functionally the very same thing, however, once again it feels very different. Just because this person lives in a messy house and this person lives in a clean house, they both live in a house, that would look like the same thing, right? But the environment is quite different and that has a very different effect on us. Just like sex versus making love. That's fascinating, yeah. that kind of metaphor. So, so we might get what feels like dopamine from being addicted to screens. I was just at some lights and two women crossed. They're just both looking at their screens. They're not seeing the day, the sky, the bird that just flew past, any people. They're just walking, looking. And I thought, that's so sad. It looks like zombies. Think of a quality of hormones or a, quali a quality of chemicals that you're mm. creating. So okay you could be on social and get a whole lot of likes and do a whole lot mm. of things and go through a whole lot of stuff. If I spend my afternoon doing that, how am I going to feel after that? Have you ever heard anyone say, oh my goodness I spent the whole afternoon on Facebook and I feel amazing. <laughs> Never. Like never. Whereas, what if I spent the afternoon with some friends and we were building a treehouse for one of our kids and, and we'd found all these ways to do things and we'd made food and we'd come together and we'd had to be a little risky in what we were doing and how am I going to feel after that? Am I going to go, oh, don't know what I did with my afternoon, just, you know, built some tree houses high up in the trees with my friends and made some food and... No, the exact opposite. Then you're really savouring the experience, the moment by moment. Well, it's, I'm just connecting, aren't I? I'm doing things differently. That's so beautiful, Susie. The other night, on that cold, cold night, a friend built a fire. <laughs> We're there. We're having some whiskies around the fire. We'd had a nice dinner. I can't stop thinking about that night. It was so like a little family. It was like a really old feeling from my childhood that was so familiar, so much nicer than machines. So what yeah. do you say? Is it, is it get off the machines or just 
just we started off with the topic of what you focus on and what you watch has such an effect these are part of our lives how do we manage them in a more healthy way I guess with everything to start I simply ask people and I, I often get clients and friends coming and going oh I think I'm a little addicted to my phone mm. and I go well cool and it's, it's similar with alcohol or with food mm. or anything that people have a, a need um, get a bit hungry for um, I simply say to them okay well put down your phone when you've got nothing else to do and see how you feel and if you're feeling that oh I've got to, I've got to pick up my phone then you've got to understand why you have a need to be met. The, the phone or the screen or the news, whatever you're watching, is something that's trying to fill an unmet need. And as we've just talked about, there's different ways to fill your time. I could fill it out in nature with some friends or in the kitchen cooking with my kids, or I could fill it sitting on a screen by myself. Mm. And we already uh, know that those are very different feelings afterwards and they're very different feelings during, right? Mm. One's going to have long-lasting beneficial effects for my mental state and my physical state and one's not going to have any beneficial effects whatsoever. A really short-term hit, right? So with everything we do, we've got to understand if I'm feeling a real pull towards something and I mentally know, oh my goodness, mm. you know, it's like the people who stop at the lights and they go, oh, I've got to pick up my phone. Yeah. at the lights in your car while you're driving. There's a bit of you that's got to go, well, that's a bit insane. I wonder why I have this need to do this. Mm -hmm. So it's not actually about the phone. That's just something that's filling a need. What is the unmet need that you have that you're having to fill with a phone? Does that make sense? It makes beautiful sense. But can we go a bit deeper on that? So say some of your clients, obviously not giving any personal details at all, but what are some of those unmet needs? Because some people watching this might go, oh, I recognize that. What, what are some of the things you find when you examine that with them? So for a lot of people, it's actually connection. Connection mm. is the primary thing. And it's not just connection to others, it's connection to ourselves. Mm. If we're living, a lot of people are living this life. We've been trained to live a life where first you, you know, go to daycare for so many hours a day and then you go to school and you sit down for all this time, which I really don't believe kids are made to. I mean, human bodies aren't actually made to sit down for long periods. We're made to stand and squat and lie down and that's why bodies are breaking down because we sit so darn much at the moment. Um, but we led to these lives and then people, you know, have two hours in traffic a day and eight, nine hours at work a day sitting down at their desk. And we're living these lives where, and we've been programmed to live these lives where people aren't actually getting much enjoyment out of it. And so their enjoyment is, oh, scrolling, and their enjoyment is a bear. It's escape. It's escaping their own Because mind. their needs aren't being met because they haven't really met themselves. And by meeting yourself, I mean doing what you want to do as you want to do it. Creating the you that you want to be. Does anyone really want to sit in traffic every day? yet everyone heads over. You know, from where we live, the roads are clogged from 6.45 in the morning till 10.30, and then again from about 3.30 till maybe 7. And people are just sitting in that every day. The main road takes people like an hour to get down or get up, but day after day, year after year, that's what we do, right? So you haven't really met yourself if you're doing that and you can say well I need to put food on the table and I need to absolutely but you also need to actually live and and create every human needs to create something 
the life they love. And so if I'm not living a very fulfilling life and I'm not expressing myself creatively and um, maybe everyone else in my house is just on the phone as well, so I'm not feeling much connection, and actually the connection I do have is quite stressful, then I want to disconnect, don't I? So the easiest way to disconnect is just to go on that. So for my clients who say, yeah, I really like, I every time I stop at the lights, I pick up my phone to check something. And I go, what are you checking? And they go, actually, just whatever's up. Like, I'm just looking for some kind of notification. Oh, yeah. If we're looking for that, we're really reaching out to, please, can I have some kind of connection? That's what people that are reaching out for. Susie. So what if instead, if you felt that pull on your phone uh, and you're in your car, what if instead you went, you know what? Who would I most like to talk to now? As long as you've got hands free, of course. Mm. And you dial them up at the lights and you call them. Hey, what are you doing? Mm. Oh, you know, hanging around at work. Cool, I just wanted to hear your voice. Mm. I'm trying to get over my phone addiction and I thought I'd call you because you're awesome. And they go, holy cow, what a beautiful thing to hear. That's just made my day. And then you go, oh my goodness, I just made someone's day. That is so cool. And then you have a nice little love affair talking over the phone. And how much better do you feel after that car ride than stopping at every light and quickly picking it up to see if you've got any messages on any of your 150 apps? You know what you I mean? put that so well. And there's a real key in there. I remember this saying that the only true path to happiness is giving to someone else, which is an interesting saying, whether it's true or not. But it there is a feeling when you ring someone up and you give them some love. There's a lot that comes back from that too. Well, it's also, it's you being able to express your love. Exactly. And that's what we are. We're beings that need to express and we need to create. We need to create connections. We need to create mm. whatever the heck it is our heart is driven to create. So it's win-win for everybody when we just express the truth. Mm. Hey, I was sitting in my car. I've really noticed I'm grabbing my phone all the time. So I had heard that this might be about feeling disconnected because everyone's just zooming about their lives mm. in their own cars with their own phones. So I thought, who would I like to talk to? And it was you. Aren't you lucky? <laughs> I love you. And they go, I love you too. And you just sit there feeling all loved up. And suddenly a car ride was beautiful. Not, oh shoot, I almost drove into the back of that guy. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's another little angle to that, which is if you are sitting there, say you don't have hands free. There's this whole dance with ourselves. There was this realization I had, Susie, a few years ago. Wow, I'm alone in life. This is before I was going out with someone. I, I, I went, I'm, re I'm alone, but I'm not lonely. That, that play for a lot of people, too, is an interesting one, learning the difference. There's a big difference between being alone and happy and being a lonely person who needs someone else to fill it, which I've kind of given up on that idea that someone else will fulfill me. I have to be a fulfilled person myself. Can you talk about that? Yeah, it's the same duality we've been talking about. Mm. It's the same thing. It's the way you look at it and the way you understand it. And a lot of our lives, when we're not feeling content with our life, we're not feeling satisfied, we're not feeling sated, um, it's simply because we're misunderstanding what's going on. Mm. So you could say someone who lives by themselves in their own house, some people will go, oh my goodness, that's so lonely. 
Um, it's only lonely if you haven't met yourself. Like if you really meet yourself at a deep level, you'll go, wow, I'm pretty cool, man. You know, I think I've yet to meet a human who has let me in and, and we've had a conversation that I haven't gone, wow, that's a pretty cool humaning. That's, that's awesome. You know, anyone who's willing to let you in, one-on-one, mm. -on -one, I have a huge love for people. And often they can't see it in themselves. But when you turn up as you, you then allow other people to turn up as them. And then they go, oh, I just have such a great time with you. And you go, but you know, you were part of that. Yeah. We had such a great time and you can do that by yourself as well because you're not really by yourself. When you've met you, you enjoy you and you know what you like and you know what you want to do. Whereas people who are misunderstanding what they are and we have a culture that is not very good for humans because it pushes lack and fear, mm. um, especially if you're on social or on the news, it's just lack, fear, lack, fear. Mm. And that's not Be natural more. You're for not humans. Enough. You're not lack. enough. You're lacking. Yeah. You are lacking. Um, and so when we come from that, people must understand and they sit there and their thoughts get quite uncomfortable. And so they want to distract from their thoughts. Instead of sitting there going, oh, why are they uncomfortable? Why am I thinking that? Why would I be lacking? You know what I mean? It's a really common thing. People don't want to sit with their thoughts. So they've got to distract themselves or be with other people or whatever it may be. Well, that's just a really beautiful tool right there. You, you might sit in the car and you might ask yourself why you just thought something you just thought. That is a tool to say, why did I have that thought? Why would I put myself down? And, and more than that, I really encourage people, for me, when I started wrestling with my thoughts way back, when I realized I was a massive overthinker and I was brought up that way and it worked really well, got me through uni easy mm. and school and everything. Um, when I started understanding how much excessive thinking I was doing, instead of going, oh no, that's bad, mm. I had to go, well, this is interesting. And I had to really, and I think most humans are quite curious beings once they're allowed to be, but there's a lot of things in a lot of our systems, like in our school systems, we're told, sit down quiet, that's too yeah. many questions. A lot of adults, you know, in the past three years, I've had so many clients and friends who are like, well, I say to my family, well, what about this? And they go, that's enough. We're done with that. We don't want any more questions. Why are we shutting down questions? Like this is how humanity's evolved and this is how we'll continue to evolve. And if we're not curious, we've got a real problem. Like you're just gonna stagnate and die. So what if we just decided that we were going to be curious about everything? What if we just decided, ah, oh, it's interesting that I just thought this very lacking thought or poor thought about myself. Um, I wonder why that is. So instead of isn't that good or isn't that bad, isn't that interesting? Mm. You know, and that changes everything about how we talk to ourselves, believing it's all just one interesting journey to figure ourselves out. We spend so much time figuring out work, how to work, yeah. school, how to get by, socially, how do you fit into this? What if you just figured out how you ticked and then you just were you? We're going to talk about that in another of this series about always thinking ahead or always thinking back. And I want to go deeper there, but that'll be another conversation. But you just talked about that's good or bad instead of saying that's good or bad. That dichotomy is such a, is such a damaging one I'm observing in myself at the moment. It's like, 
Well, actually, I just condemned it. That's bad that I'm doing that. I've been observing myself going, oh, that person's good. Yeah, I like them, but they're bad. And really trying to observe why I'm doing that because it doesn't make me happy. Is, is what there a good or a bad? That's what is I'm there, wondering. Is there a right or a wrong? You might pick up an apple and go, oh, there's a big brown bit in it and chuck it out. Whereas if you were starving and you found that apple, yeah. you would be stoked. Yep. So what may be bad comes along for and one, goes, this is the best thing I've had all day. May be good for another, yes. right? <laughs> so good and bad and right and wrong. Um, if you want to live in that world of black and white, it's, it's absolutely fine. But they're just judgments. They're judgments. And a judgment is based on your perspective, right? Mm. So depending how you are and how your internal state is and your life experiences and how you've decided to take them will depend on whether something's good or bad or right or wrong. And as you change through life, um, hopefully more things are becoming right and good. But mm. I prefer just to keep out of those judgments. And absolutely, we all have them because we're saturated in this. Mm. Um, however, I'm just a big fan of it's not good or bad or right or wrong. It just is. Did I enjoy it? Oh, no. <laughs> no, no, didn't enjoy that at all. Not going to do that again. Or, oh, yeah, I did enjoy that. That was great. But is it good or bad? Do I have to judge everything and everyone? You know the old um, uh, stories that you sometimes come across and it says, well, look at people like they're trees. You don't walk through the bush and go, oh, well, that's a bad tree. Oh, that one's wrong. What has that done? You go... Oh, wow, that tree's, you know, that's huge and magnificent. Look at that. That's amazing that that one's twisted. Obviously, something's fallen across it and it's, it's grown around that adversity. And obviously, these ones here are having a harder time because they're, they're rooting into rocks, whereas this one's on flat ground and nice, deep, loamy soil. So we're not judging the trees. Like, every tree is doing the best for its environment that it's got. And I really believe all humans are doing the best for the environment they've got. And a lot of that environment is created by the screens, Susie, that's isn't it? an amazing metaphor. That is not a mine, metaphor that leads you right to compassion. Someone challenged me the other day about Jacinda, because this is part of it for me, you know, it really hurt from my perspective that she's hurt my fellow Kiwis. And, and I have had some anger, and I've put that out there in some of the broadcasts because I wanted to really call her out. And he said, what if you have a bird's eye view and you see that her soul made this pact to come here and play that role and that from that a whole lot of people wake up or find stuff in themselves and I went home and thought God I can't take away the fact that because of her I found depths of courage I never knew I had and connection and connection and then I ended up going what if I had to thank her for playing this really dark role that's helped wake up something in me. You see, I'm still condemning it. I still slip it in. And, and, and what if she was doing the best she could? Now, remember, humans are very easily uh, misled, uh, especially by ideology. And historically, there's a lot that would condemn having an ideology. And an ideology, I think of it, is putting something between you and yourself. Some people would say it's between you and God. So the Bible will condemn ideology. Don't um, 
uh, idolize or pray to this golden bull because that's not God. It's just nothing between you and God. Mm. Uh, I like to look at it as nothing between you and yourself or you and your fellow human being. When people have an ideology and they, they truly have it because they believe it will do the best and Historically, a lot of leaders have had ideologies that, in hindsight, we've gone, oh, you killed a lot of people, that was terrible. Uh, but then there will be something in it that they will have thought they were doing the best. Does that make sense? So, for example, if you read the basis of socialism and communism, you can find texts about that that do talk about the workers' paradise. And if you were someone who was always working very hard and very long hours and never had enough to eat and never had enough for your family, something like communism would sound phenomenal. And because you'd had such a hard life, you could turn that into an ideology and you would fight for that and you would kill people for that ideology. And, and that's what's really dangerous because a good story or a good narrative, stories and narratives, that, that's how people learn. That's why we have fairy tales. That's why we remember something better when there's a story around it or a good analogy around it rather than just being told base facts. So, that's why Jesus used parables to walk alongside your own life. Well, yeah. everyone, the body, I mean, you yeah. name it. Yeah. It's, that's how we learn. Yeah. That's how we learn best and understand because then we feel it. Yeah. It becomes personal rather than just a story about something else that we have no connection to. Mm. So what if someone has an ideology and they really truly believe, because people with an ideology actually believe that's the best thing. And many people in history have sacrificed other people for an ideology, believing that in the end it will be better for everybody. Now whether they're right or wrong, mm. it's of no consequence. What you're dealing with is people wielding looking like they're wielding power, but they don't, one leader doesn't really have any power. The power is in the narrative that they tell everyone else, right? And so if they have an ideology they want to reach, and they say, if we don't do this, all these bad things are going to happen to everyone, and they, they whip up everyone into a, a whole hurricane of fear. Look at the climate change thing right now. You're whipping everyone up into a massive amount of fear, mm. And when we're in that fear state, in that sympathetic dominance, fight, flight, freeze, or please, we're in our reptilian brain, guess what doesn't work? Our logical and rational mind. You can't be stressed and be logical. You can think that part of you is a logical person. A lot of people say to me, oh, but I'm a very logical person. Yep, but when you're in sympathetic dominance, you're not. When you're running from a tiger, that's what a stress response is made for. So if we keep people in a stress response all the time, they're running from tigers all the time. If you're running from a tiger and I say, hey Liz, do you wanna have a juice with me? No, I'm running from a tiger. Mm -hmm. Are you gonna take time to poop? No, I'm running from a tiger. Are you gonna sleep? No. Mm -hmm. So if people are not enjoying their food or not hungry or overeating very fast, if people are not sleeping properly, if people are not pooping properly, these are the three primary indicators that you are in sympathetic dominance. It's like having your accelerator on. You're in a stress response. Mm -hmm. So you may feel you're logical, you may believe you're logical and rational, but your rational and logical brain is not working because you are running from a tiger. 
God, that makes so much sense in the last three years. So can you really be angry at people and call them bad when they're running from tigers, even though the tigers are imaginary? I mean, you mm. tell a good enough story, you can whip anyone into any old fear, but even though they're imaginary, can, can you really be angry at those people that the hill they grew on and the soil they were part of, that, that tree is doing the best they can, just like that person is doing the best they can. Mm. And instead of condemning people and going, well, you're wrong and you're bad and screw you, what if you went, wow, I, I have no idea what kind of terrain they grew on. I have no idea what kind of programs and ideologies they may have in their head. But if they're doing these sorts of things, they're, they're definitely running in sympathetic dominance. They've definitely got tigers chasing them all the time. So if you believe you're being chased by a tiger, should I yell at you and abuse you and throw another couple of tigers at you? Or should I go, hey mate, come sit next to me, I'm tiger proof. Come up to that park. It's okay, we're safe. Come over here. What do you do? So every time we add to someone else's burden, if someone's behaving poorly, they're not doing it from a happy place, are they? Mm. Happy people who like themselves and have met themselves just try and spread that happiness everywhere. It's so significant. And then that feeds into that, that first line we began with, what you see and what you focus on shapes your day. When you get these stories of, you know, that person's wrong or that group's wrong or... Or yesterday was a classic actually on Radio New Zealand there was an interview about climate change mm -hmm. and this expert I don't even know his name and Catherine Ryan they were both talking like in panting breaths about how there's no time there's no time we've got to do this double speed <laughs> and you're listening to something that's going to have massive implications for future generations in New Zealand and they're talking about rushing it and I just tried to step back that one step and observe and go wow this is so fear-based this is so panic-based. It's the next thing. It can thing. never be healthy. It's the next thing. And the climate change one really does interest me because um, one half of my degree was, so I did art history, but I also did geography. Mm. And I majored in climatology. So this was something at university I was really, I always like to know how stuff, how did that hill get there? When's that volcano gonna blow? I was quite obsessed with that stuff. I just like looking at things, art, landscapes, you name it, people, always just interested. Um, and I had this fantastic lecturer uh, in my last year who was a climatologist, and people were talking about, you know, greenhouse gases and global warming back in the 90s. And he said, you know, a lot of this is driven, in his experience, a lot of this is driven by money. A lot of this is driven by industries that are going to make money off this, yada, yada, yada. And he said, just keep this in mind. We have been coming out of the last ice age for the past 10,000 years. This is known as the Holocene, the past 10,000 years. This was just when they started introducing the idea that cow farts might make a difference to something. And he said, even though you may think we have large amounts of cows to sustain our population for beef and whatever, he said some of the evidence on the herds of bison and things that were a lot bigger and much bigger uh, animals that used to roam this earth, we are piddly in comparison. And then, very interestingly, because this is what everyone's on now, he was talking about the idea carbon footprints had come in and he said it's very interesting because we are carbon-based life forms. 
So we had some neat groups back at uni in those days that would have these discussions. And when they have come into the news and into the cycle and people like to talk about these things in real life, I do spend a lot of my time asking people these questions. What is it you think carbon does, considering we're a carbon-based life form? And when, when cows are releasing gas, you understand that's coming from grass that's being processed. When grass dies, what does that grass release? And is there a difference whether it's gone through the cow or just died in its natural life cycle? And considering we've come out of the last ice age over the past 10,000 years, do you think that the earth might still be warming up a little bit because we have been warmer before? So there's a lot of questions that no one's asking, but once again, that goes back to what I said before. Apparently curiosity is not a good thing these days. So we tamper down people's curiosity. People don't want to get into the nitty gritty. A conversation I've had a lot recently with people is there's very few people who can converse to find out what's right as opposed to who's right. People are so lacking in themselves, they need to prove I'm right, I'm right, I'm right, I need the last word. Rather than I love, I've got a bunch of friends who we can sit there, I'll come from this side, they'll come from this side. Other people go, oh, you guys are arguing. And we're like, what are you talking about? This is the best discussion ever. And we'll switch sides and we'll move around it. We don't even remember who started with what opinion. It comes down to finding what's right. What is, what's the meat of it? What, what does this actually mean? How fascinating that you have this point of view and I have this point of view. Let's discuss and see if we can come to some type of conclusion about this. We're finding what's right, not who's right. Anyone who's just interested in being right, they're coming from lack. They don't believe they're good enough. They need to prove to other people for some reason they'll feel better by proving that they have been right. I don't care. I just, I'm interested to know how things work. I'm more interested in what's right than who's right. I think it's a beautiful way to wrap this discussion up. It's such a stunning idea getting back to, well, where did we go in this, in this talk? making a little tree hut in a park, having a picnic in a park, going and taking a cup of tea and some home baking, or sitting around a table with people that you trust, but having different views and respecting one another, loving one another, and being intrigued and curious. What a way to go. All of those things involve putting down the machines and doing it person to person and listening and offering love and respect. Anything you can add to that, Susie? It's just so beautiful what you've painted here. You just need to, when you're starting on something, if you've got a free afternoon and you're going to pick up the phone uh, to scroll or you're going to pick up the phone to call someone, just have a think. How am I going to feel in four hours' time? Mm. What's going to nourish me? Mm. What's, you know, too many people go, oh, well, it's better for me, so I'm going to go to the gym and I'm... No, choose what you're doing and choose how you're going to feel, you know? Oh, I don't feel like getting up. I am feeling a bit tired, but I know I feel great when I've gone and had a walk or gone to the gym or gone for a workout or eaten something good. Just have a little think for what that might be doing. And if you're being really pulled into the phone, if you're being, oh, I need to watch the news. Mm. No one needs to watch the news. If you're being really pulled into it, have a think about why, what needs aren't being met. And realistically, for most people, it's going to be connection. Um, let me finish with a little story from some old friends of mine who took a boat trip from 
California, around the Pacific Rim, over 10 years to New Zealand. And they got the newspaper, I think it was the LA Times, on the day they left, and they had a friend send the LA Times to them on the day they arrived. And they've shown me this, and the paper was exactly the same. It was the same picture. I'm not even joking. Same picture. War in the Gulf. And it was the same picture. And as you turn the pages, the newspaper was pretty much the same. Ten years apart. And that was the day they stopped watching the news. And when they shared that with me, that was the day I stopped watching the news. That's stunning. I might top that story. I've got a friend who's just gradually, 18 months ago, came off alcohol. That's all she did. And then about six months ago, decided to stop watching Netflix all the time. And then she's cleaned up coffee because she decided that wasn't so good. And then she added in a walk on a beach every morning. And she's glowing. She's absolutely glowing, but she's done it so gently. And I want to leave people with that possibility. None of which, again, involve watching a whole lot of desolate stuff on a screen. Thank you, Susie. Thank you, Liz. really lovely. This series could really remind people that life is worth living very much.